we already did this, but my mic wasn't plugged in. So, yeah, if you don't mind doing the intro again. Yeah. Hey, guys. Um, my name is Abby Govindan. I'm a stand-up comedian and writer, and um, I'm here by invitation of Arsh, a.k.a. The Flex Coach. Uh, Arsh and I go way back. Mm-hmm. We've known each other for, I think, nine or ten years now since since we were 12. So I yeah. am happy to be here. Yeah, really appreciate you being here, e- you know, even after you, uh, you got your clout you didn't oh. change up on people <laughs> oh please you didn't switch no, up on no. your day ones no no i would never please internet clout literally means nothing and you have to get it in order to realize it right you know like talk more about that like why doesn't it mean anything yeah why doesn't it mean anything i mean i have most of my clout on twitter which is the least monetizable platform like no one's paying me to to do anything on twitter um mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a fuck fest in terms of, like, I'm just tweeting, like, my chaotic life. Mm-hmm. And then people, instead of being like, this is bad behavior, they're like, yeah, me too. And then we all kind of enable each other. Um, <laughs> but it's been cool. I mean, it's it's not totally meaningless. I don't, I mean, mm-hmm. that was an over-exaggeration. Like, I've met a lot of really, really cool people. I've gotten a lot of really cool opportunities. Um, I got scouted for comedy through Twitter. Uh, found my managers, my management team through right. Twitter. So that was really cool. But um, outside of, I mean, outside of the few cool things that have happened, I would say that internet clout really doesn't mean anything. That makes sense. Um, So in the grand scheme of things, like where did that transition take place when you transitioned from quote unquote non internet clout famous or whatever to like having followers and shit like yeah it kind of happened overnight um so last year last august i had a tweet that just did well and uh oh kind of overnight i gained like almost ten thousand followers it was wild and um is it the ptsc one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you yeah, see it. it has like seven hundred thousand likes or something. yeah shit. that is so wild uh my my managers were telling me that they were at a film festival and someone brought it up at like a round table discussion they were having and like quoted the tweet word for word and my managers were like that's our client they were like they were like wow that's crazy that's one of my favorite tweets and i was like that's insane like who's just first of all who's just discussing tweets over a round table but i'm very flattered I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good one. Yeah, thank so you. So you'd say that that's the one that kind of propelled like everything for you. Yeah, and then I've had a few more do well ever since then, but mm-hmm. kind of it's just been uphill since then. I've just been gaining followers, um, gaining recognition. It's been really cool, getting a lot of cool opportunities through it. Yeah. What would you say is like the best outcome that has occurred so far? Definitely my management team. Um, I love them so much. Uh, they're just the nicest people ever. They reached out to me and they were like, because I just tweeted about like wanting to write for TV, but mm-hmm. thinking that it was kind of out of reach. And they reached out to me and they were like, hey, we want to rep you for TV writing. So I'm in the process of finding work for TV writing, preferably in LA, but either in gotcha. New York or LA. But that's, uh, that's definitely, I would say, the thing that I'm most grateful for. Um, I got to go on tour in April. That was so really? cool. Yeah. At the age of 21, too, which is insane. Who did you uh, go with or was it solo it was a solo well it was mostly solo so i didn't have an hour of material at the time so like these colleges invited me to perform for them so at most of those places i split the hour or i said like hey i'm gonna do a 30 minute show and they were totally cool with it that's Um, awesome oh my god it was so cool uh it was a lot of fun yeah getting the like getting the tour in general you know, is, is, is a very interesting and exciting thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was just lucky that it happened to, like, um, come to existence uh, 
within such a short period in my career because I've only been doing comedy like my like I said I was saying before we started recording um, my two-year anniversary for stand-up is, is coming up on December 17th but I've been very blessed so far and I'm very grateful for it so what what else are you uh, focusing on right now? Um, I'm trying to find work, and uh, TV writing is a very grueling process, um, at least for me, because I didn't go to school for TV writing, like I didn't study it. So my manager. What was are, your major? Psychology. Psychology. I graduated major. with a psychology major. Yeah. So my managers are very much holding my hand through the TV writing process. Like we're working back and forth um, from drawing board to conceptual to like actual pilot. Um, I mean, for those of you who don't know in order to get work in tv writing you need to write a pilot which is an original script and that kind of shows uh staffers that you have the ability to write characters in a complex manner and story arcs and kind of start stories and complete them and keep things interesting and write funny punchlines and stuff so i'm working on writing a pilot um it's taking a long time mostly because I don't know how to write pilots. My managers right. have been helping me through it a lot. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to do, trying to get a finished product. So writing them has been fun. Um, coming up with concepts for them has definitely also been fun. So um, I'm just enjoying the process, taking it slow, and hoping that um, I get work, you know, eventually. I'm sure you will. And, you know, you're still fairly young and new into this world, so... As you progress, as your material progresses, as you like develop more material, you know, I'm sure you'll achieve a level of success that you desire. Yeah, thank you for having faith in me. I mean, um, the first job is always the hardest to get mm-hmm. in in entertainment. So once I get that first job, once I get my foot in the industry, hopefully other opportunities will come quicker. But that first one is definitely the the biggest barrier to overcome right. as of right now. So yeah. always, it's kind of always the case in like. I feel like in any setting where you want to progress or where you, where you want to uh, achieve your goal, like getting your foot in the door is usually the hardest mm-hmm. because you don't know, first of all, you don't know what door to get your foot into. Yeah. In most cases, like most people, want, uh, when they graduate, like they don't really know you what, know, what they want to do yeah. and they think like, oh, the nine to five or I just have to get a stable job. Like that's the route. Yeah. But you kind of have faith in your in your talent and in your goal yeah and that's kind of making you pursue this over getting a comfortable job oh yeah right? for sure you don't have to tell me twice yeah so <laughs> i've been looking for jobs in marketing um entertainment marketing because that is my backup if this whole comedy thing doesn't work out mm-hmm. um i'm freelancing currently so that's uh that's an opportunity so like if if anyone else is listening to this podcast uh who is also like me a recent graduate who feels like they're more creatively inclined i highly suggest freelancing and pursuing um your passions uh on the side um freelancing kind of you set your own hours and the pay is pretty good for freelancing um because of course you don't get benefits when you freelance so you can ask for higher hourly rates um like my freelancing rate started about 90 to 125 dollars per hour Mm -hmm. um so definitely i would suggest freelancing to anyone who uh feels a creative inclination but doesn't and doesn't want to work a nine to five they just want like want to jump right into it and i mean that 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 kind of money like per hour is not bad at all yeah it's not bad if you don't have to pay for insurance i'm still on my parents insurance (laughs) so i don't until i'm 26 i don't have to worry about it but um i do have friends who freelance completely and they have to pay for their own insurance and Mm. that's when it starts sucking but yeah would you say would you say you've um 
you know, obviously you've had a lot of ups. Mm-hmm. Would you say you've had a lot of downs? Oh my god, so many downs. First of all, I'm literally currently in Houston because I developed an alcohol-like dependency, so I'm working through that uh, kind of in an, I- an IOP program. IOP is intensive outpatient therapy. Right. Um, and that was difficult to confront because... Uh, in college, it's considered cool to drink, I think, yeah. and no one ever considers that um, that's an unhealthy mindset. Um, also, I'm a comedian, and in comedy, uh, a lot of times after you do a stand-up set, they don't pay you in money, they pay you in drink tickets. So they'll be like, oh, here, have three or four free drinks on the house. And so because of that, I was drinking like maybe 12, 13 drinks a week, like Damn. back in college, yeah. And, um, you know, I couldn't, it got to the point where I couldn't even go to sleep without, without having a drink or two. So, um, I came home and I, and I had to quit cold turkey. Like I was like, this is enough, you know, it didn't get, I was fortunate enough in that it didn't get to a point that was so bad that I Mm. needed an intervention, but it was getting pretty bad and I was kind of able to intervene on myself. So fortunate, um, fortunate that that happened, but that was definitely a low, um, I'm currently in Houston and not in LA where I want to be. So that's definitely a low as well. Um, I would consider that a barrier. Sorry, no (laughs) offense. Well, I mean, okay, you're doing swell in Houston. You have a really nice apartment. This place is great. No, I don't don't even, my laugh wasn't even about that. I think it was just about like you wanting to be in LA so bad. Yeah. Houston looks shitty to you. Yeah. Well, the thing is, Houston is not shitty. Like, you know, in LA, there's no space. There's so much traffic. It's hot all the time. They don't have water. There's a lot of, apparently, according to Drake, there's a lot of fake people. (laughs) Um, But it is where where I want to be, where it's best for my career. Right, so I am willing to, is yeah, I'm willing to subject myself to never ending thirst and like sitting in traffic for six hours uh, just to be able to chase my dreams um, and go to Hollywood where I want to end up. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, the alcohol thing's kind of interesting. Like I had my little wave of partying and having fun. and then, Oh, I remember. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure you do. And uh, I kind of just gave alcohol and smoking up, like weed and stuff, right? Oh, I gave wow. everything up. I I don't drink. I don't smoke. Rarely, I'll have like one beer. Yeah. Very rare, but I don't like drink or smoke, and it's kind of fun. Like it's nice to be clear-headed and to know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Because you don't understand like the dependency and the level of dependency that you develop over time. Like it yeah. kind of slips in, and you don't realize until you need help yeah exactly and that's kind of where i was um fortunately yeah like i said fortunately i wasn't too bad like when i stopped drinking my withdrawal symptoms weren't as bad as they could have been but um you and i are kind of in the same boat where like Mm -hmm. we kind of realized on our own like we need to stop but i needed like professional help i'm very admirable of you that you didn't need professional help well i don't think i got to the point where i was getting free drinks and stuff like like (laughs) you were in an environment where you just did a show and you kind of rewarded yourself like all right um you know i'm doing what i love yeah and so let me have a drink let me enjoy this moment yeah and it, you know i'm assuming before you knew it it got to the point where yeah. you got dependent right oh very much so let's transition yeah. into um we don't have to we can cut that in but like i want to transition into where we could provide <clears throat> people value mm-hmm. so my audience is um is primarily like 
young entrepreneurs and people that are interested in business and shit. And I don't know if you're if you plan on like sending it to your people, but your audience is probably like more into comedy or stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I'll right? share it with my audience. Yeah. So, for but sure. I don't. So I want to hit like both. Yeah. Kind of hit yours a little yeah. bit, right? Like your story and your stuff. Yeah, yeah. I want to hit like mine a little bit and get yeah. into. Um, that's why I brought up the down thing, because like one thing they love the one of the biggest episodes was like taking a loss and bouncing back yeah and so they kind of like that story of like oh, okay, i was cool. depressed and then i fucking yeah you know i came out of it yeah so we could get into that if you're comfortable yeah no we definitely can um yeah i talk about it all the time um i was diagnosed with depression in the summer of 2017 mm-hmm. um i was in an abusive relationship uh three four four years ago almost now three and a half years ago and um it really got to a bad place i was diagnosed with ptsd um so like loud noises made me jump men yelling at me made me jump and um yeah i got to a really bad place and that's kind of why i pursued comedy was because um it gave me a purpose, I mm-hmm. think. And um, also my entire life, I think I was, up until that point, I was living a lie. Like I was living what I expected people to do for, uh, what people expected of me. So right. um, when I entered In what college. Way, yeah, so when I entered college, I was pre med chemistry major. I was telling gotcha. everyone I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I always had an interest in science and I had an interest in humanitarian per, uh, like initiatives, mm-hmm. um, like helping people out and stuff, but I'd never taken an interest in medicine, but I kind of convinced myself that I had that interest. Um, I've Maybe always been because interested- of like parents will suffer. Would yeah, my mom's a physician, so I guess there was pressure there from everyone. They were like, oh, just like your mom following her footsteps. Um, and uh, I always took an interest in politics, but never in law, if that makes sense. Like, I never wanted to be a lawyer, but a lot of people expected me to because I can speak really well. Right. So um, after I was pre-med, I transitioned into pre-law. But again, I wasn't happy, and I switched my major like five or six times in college. I mean, I started chemistry. I was music for a little while statistics um so many things like general science trying to find like yeah and then i ended up yeah i ended up in psychology with psychology if you're not interested in psychology psychology is a cop-out major and for me it was a cop-out major if you are interested in psychology and you major in psychology good for you but most people who end up majoring in psychology just Mm. like can't decide what they want to do you know in college and um, psychology was fun and I learned a lot of things and it does help me in my comedy kind of because uh, what people find funny is in part due to their psychology. Right. Um, but I don't really ever plan on using that degree. So anyways, what I was <laughs> saying is um, I was just doing what people expected of me. Like psychology is still a science field. And as an Indian girl, I felt compelled to study a science to be a good Indian girl, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But I really felt like I was living a lie. And then after I got out of this abusive relationship, I was in a really bad place. Um, and then kind of. Um, I I got to this point where I was like, what do I have to lose? I'm just going to do what I want to do. Like, I'm not happy either way. Um, Like, I'm not, I'm done living this life for other people. And so I started pursuing comedy and that was the first time ever that I felt that I was in the right place. Like, Mm -hmm. um, when I started doing stand-up comedy, I was 20 years old and it felt like the stage had been waiting just for me for 20 years. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, so I was 20 years old when I started stand-up comedy, um, and it really felt like the stage had been waiting just for me for 20 mm-hmm. years. And I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity to do it um, at the Did time. Did you ever get nervous? Um, yeah, I mean, before every show, I still get nervous. Um, really? I've been a public speaker since I was 11, so but still, before every big speech, I get nervous. I'm giving a TED, TEDx talk in March. Really? And I am so nervous. Where's that? that? It's going to be at Binghamton University in upstate New York. That's amazing. Yes, I'm so excited for that. But I'm, I'm, also, I'm also still nervous because it's a 16-minute speech. Mm-hmm. And um, even though I've been doing public speaking my whole life, you know, every audience is a new audience. You never mm-hmm. know if um, something you say, they're gonna, that particular audience is going to find funny or not. Right. Um, like, I think my favorite story to tell is in January, I had two shows in a row. Um, one was in Pasadena, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. Um, it's about 30 minutes out. And I went out there and it was a completely like old conservative audience and right. they hated my jokes. Like I'm very like young and liberal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't go on stage and talk about Obama, but like course, it shines through can, in yeah, my they comedy. Can tell they can tell. Time. Yeah. So they didn't laugh at any of my jokes. And um, I was like, this is it. Like I should quit comedy. Like what I'm weighing over my head. Because you bombed one time yeah because I bought well this is the the thought process that goes through my head and so I had uh right after this Pasadena show I had a show at the Avant Garden in Houston Texas in Montrose if you if you're familiar Mm -hmm. and um the entire 30 minute drive there I was like I should quit I'm way in over my head and then I got to the Avant Garden and it turns out that like 12 of my friends from high school had come to surprise me at the Avant Garden and then I freaked out even more I was like oh my god my friends from high school are gonna before or after no i got to the avant-garden oh and i saw them there and then you like, got, like right after i had shit? bombed yeah and i was like oh my god i'm gonna embarrass myself in front of my friends from high school like this is it like everyone's gonna be like wow abby's delusional and then i went up there and i killed it because the avant-garden is like it's like a rice university bar practically right, yeah. so like um, it was a lot of young kids from Rice University, from University of Houston, from HCC, a lot of high school kids um, from nearby Lamar and Carnegie High School. And um, and like a, a couple of Indian girls came up to me afterwards and they were like, wow, we've never seen an Indian girl perform stand-up comedy. That was really cool. And then a couple of other people came up to me and they were like, wow, we thought you were the best on the lineup. And then that night, and then also I was able to do well in front of my friends from high school, you mm-hmm. know? And that night I was like, wow, like, the audience really does matter it really depends on the audience so that's what I've learned is that not everyone's gonna like your craft but that doesn't necessarily mean you're not talented and that doesn't mean you shouldn't do what you love exactly Um, everyone in order to follow their dreams to a certain degree does have to be delusional Mm -hmm. right you are delusional until you're not delusional so like until you win yeah exactly so um, if I were to impart any advice on uh, people comedians and non-comedians just dream chasers in general Mm -hmm. I would just say go against the grain I know it's so cliche to say it but like uh keep hearing no until you finally hear yes you know um and even when you get to a point where enough people are telling you yes you're still gonna hear no like i had a bad couple of days because just the past few weeks i've been getting relentlessly harassed on social media and like yeah every now and then i was like maybe i am in over my head maybe i'm not (laughs) funny maybe i should quit comedy like all these men online who's uh, harassing you though just like all these random men online, you know, you know how they are. Oh, like, just random people. Yeah, looking random at your stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just like on my YouTube videos, on my Twitter account, on my Instagram, and I'm like, and then like every now.
now and then I get to this point where I'm like yeah maybe I should quit maybe they're right and then I go out and do another show and I kill it and I'm like no like obviously mm -hmm. I'm I'm where I'm supposed so to be. So you still have those waves of like doubt and then kind of reinforced by oh, I guess your talent. Oh for sure and you know um, knowing myself I don't know if I'll ever get to a point in my career where those waves of doubt don't come mm -hmm. um, and I can't speak for anyone else but I feel like it's a very human thing to experience doubt like I'm sure yeah. Dave Chappelle and Russell Peters and like Amy Schumer and Ali Wong and all these like great comedians I'm sure they still experience waves of doubt. I think it's necessary yeah if you want to keep progressing and like not burn out yeah. not get complacent yeah personally exactly. i thought louis ck got complacent he did i thought he like i've generally thought he burnt out in a way and got complacent like he did the same shit over and over again and granted like his show was okay it wasn't bad his but, latest yeah. stuff wasn't good like i even though he he was so he was caught up in all that controversy and i already decided i didn't like him anymore but i listened to his new stand-up thing out of like curiosity you know right. i was like huh i wonder if, if he still has his magic touch because he mm -hmm. i mean he as much as i hate to admit it he was a great comedian 100%. yeah and um he doesn't i mean he really doesn't and uh, that's unfortunate, but yeah. you know, he's a millionaire. He'll survive. He's fine if yeah. one Indian girl somewhere doesn't like his stand-up comedy anymore <laughs> um, What are your yeah. thoughts on um, on money? Like what do you think of do you think money equates to happiness? Um, so uh, I have a very good story for this. So I actually was offered um, $30,000 recently for something that I shouldn't talk too much about, but it was essentially the the campaign. It wasn't, sorry, it wasn't explicitly $30,000, but that's how much these sponsorships usually go for. So right. that's a ballpark number. I should, I should give that disclaimer right away. But it was for um, something where my values didn't align. And every now and then I wonder like, you know, what would it have been like to um, throw my values out the door and just close my eyes and sign it. Like just I would for be, monetary gain. Yeah, just for monetary gain. You know, I'd be in an, in a nice apartment in LA or New York right now, not having to worry about finding a job or paying rent for at least a year. You know, but I think um, my values make me who who I am. Mm -hmm. Your values are who you are, and without them, you're literally nothing. Um, I think it's really easy to tell other people to stick to their values, but it's very difficult to stick to your own values, no matter Sucks. how tempting it is to not do that. So um, in terms of monetary gain, I think you should do what you love and stick to your values. And if you're good at what you do, money will come eventually. 100%. And you just have to stick to that belief. And that was something I doubted myself in, but my mentor is the one who told me that. My mentor is a, a director and a producer in Hollywood. She's this really cool, amazing Indian woman and I and I came to her with this dilemma and she was like do what you love and she, to word for word That's what she told me. She said do what you love stick to your values If you're good enough at what you do eventually money will come you're young You don't have to worry about money yet exactly. like you will make money eventually so Money does equal to happiness in the sense that it provides financial stability and a roof over your head, but money shouldn't be the number one priority in what you do. Like, I'm not a comedian because I enjoy living lavishly, you know? <laughs> you would um, definitely have not chosen this profession. Yeah, exactly. Um, because it's one of those professions where it takes a long time before you reach financial stability. Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing it because it's what I love. So uh, do what you love. Money will come eventually. 
Thank you for uh, doing this. Yeah, really thank you. It. Thank you for having me. What's your, uh, if you want to give your Instagram? On Twitter, Abby Gove, A-B-B-Y-G-O-V, or Abby Govindan on Instagram. Thanks, guys.